0: Welcome back to Holding Space Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Cassidy. I'm so excited to be back this week with my guest, Crystal Festerly. Crystal is a writer, and she is the founder of Gather the Village, a magazine aimed at building community through honest storytelling. And honestly, this is Crystal's superpower. Crystal has a way of showing up as fully human, offering her vulnerability and offering her stories and experiences as a bridge to connection, and this is exactly what she does in this episode. Crystal and her family have been through a lot this past year, and in this episode, Crystal shares the ways in which they have navigated the pain and trauma of these experiences while also making room and finding ways to make meaning and connect with hope and joy. I'm so excited to share her with all of you, so let's get to the conversation. You're listening to Holding Space Podcast with Dr. Cassidy Freitas, Licensed Marriage and Family Therapist. The information shared in this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. Now, let's jump in. Crystal, so tell, uh, for those who are listening, can you tell us a little bit about your background, how you came to create Gather the Village for just anybody who is meeting you for the first time through this podcast.
1: Yeah. So I started Gather the Village back when I had my second daughter. I actually launched it the day that I had her. I like was in denial that I was in labor, but um, the idea started after having my first daughter I realized that oh, none of my friends have kids, and I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, 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 and I was picking up every yeah. book and every magazine, and I just you know, there's so many things that happen with motherhood that you're like, wow, I wish someone would have told me this <laughs> prior. Yeah, yeah, 100%. So, yeah.
0: What were some of those? What were some of those things for you that you were like, okay? Literally, why did nobody tell me this was going to happen? What were some like of those things? Like breastfeeding?
1: I feel like now a day, especially with Instagram, everybody knows. But I mean, this was six years ago and I had no idea. Yeah. I thought, oh, it's going to be a walk in the park and it's not going to be painful. And then like
0: like everybody says, the messaging is like, it's natural, it's natural. And then you're just like, oh,
1: okay, so it's going to be natural. So yeah, you assume like breathing's natural. (laughs) It doesn't hurt. (laughs) So yeah, things like that. And so I thought to myself, you know, like I want to create a magazine and a space that is like talking to your close girlfriend on a couch who's going to tell you the nitty gritty, the truth about motherhood Mm -hmm. and the ups and the downs and just a space where you'd know that this is normal and you're gonna be okay yeah. and I've been there done that so yeah that's why I started it and then I was having dinners to launch every issue and more and more women would come and I would lead an intentional conversation around the table and I realized like that was where it was at was the actual gathering the actual building of communi- community community face to face and I haven't looked mm. back since it is been amazing and I'm so blessed to be able to call this my job
0: Mm. so you literally built created a village and built community out of a need for yourself of feeling like this was something that you needed and you desired and so through that then also provided and produced this thing for for all the moms who are connected to gather the village too that's that's incredible one of the things that I really value about you and knowing you following you on social media but also having you as a friend is your ability to do what you just said which was like go into the shadows like go into the nitty-gritty like lean into the parts of our lived experiences that maybe often don't get discussed or that feel really vulnerable yeah. or tender. Um, you have you have a way of, of not only like a willingness to offer that from yourself and your own heart and your own experiences and your own, your soul, but then to invite that in with others. I think that that vulnerability probably also invites vulnerability. And like, that's sort of where, um beautiful connection can happen and especially for moms who can often feel so isolated in our experiences like even you know with breastfeeding like you said like you're right like i think a lot more people are talking about um their experiences of breastfeeding and like offering other parts exactly. of the narrative like it's not it's not just like this beautiful natural thing that is going to connect you to your child like it's also it's also literally teaching – my friend Christine Sterling, who's an ob says this. She says, you're literally teaching a brand new skill to somebody who has no life experience. Yeah, <laughs> like,
1: that's exactly what it is. They're like, wait a minute, what?
0: <laughs> yeah, that's and I remember that. it was it was so painful in the beginning, and, um, and you do, there's just so much pressure, and there's a feeling of being trapped in it, too, that can sometimes come up yeah. that I had. And nobody – nobody told me about those things and i think you're right there's more narrative around that now but but even still like there's just so many layers to to our experiences as women and to motherhood that just isn't talked about so um, your gift if i can name your gifts crystal is um, is a community builder but also it's not just like bringing people to get together and gathering them but also then in offering your own vulnerability and your own tenderness, right? It, it it invites that from others as well, and
1: yeah. And I think it's a
0: beautiful thing that can happen in that space. Oh,
1: thank you. It's a lot of it's a lot of fun. I always open up, and I usually share something that's been going on with myself, and it it does. It opens up the room to be vulnerable by being vulnerable myself you just cut past yeah. all of the Hi, nice to meet you, what do you do? And you just really kinda get to it yeah. and realize that we have so much more in common than we know. Mm-hmm. And it makes life easier to realize that you're not alone mm-hmm. in it.
0: It's so true. Um I think it's Brene Brown who says, like people are hard to hate close up, so lean in. And I think Exactly that- I think that's relevant for so many things, like not just people that like maybe we think we have nothing in common with, but maybe people that we're jealous of or people that we compare ourselves to. It's just when you, I, I find this time and time again, like when you really lean in with somebody um, and you really sh- show up as a human, like they become humanized too. And you mm-hmm. begin to see that, you know, they're, they're, we are so similar, <laughs> like when yeah. we actually get a little closer.
1: Yeah. You build an understanding. I think that's what is missing a lot when you feel those feelings of jealousy or envy or whatever the emotion is. I think it's simply from a lack of understanding. It's a lack of a lack of Ugh. knowing.
0: So and you know, what's funny is that when you and I first got on before we started recording, you were like, how are you? And I was like, okay, can yeah. I just tell you the truth? <laughs> You know, and like we just we like went straight there because I was like, this is something I know I can do with you because of just the way that you are and the way that you connect up people and the way that you show up. And so that like, makes me so happy. <laughs> it was like, yeah, I can just go straight there. Like we we can cut through the. BS yeah, you just because, cut
1: through it. Like, how are you? Because I'm really asking. You know? <laughs>
0: I know, and I know that you are, which is which is what I which is why I really adore you. Um, so. Speaking of vulnerability, um, I I know just from knowing you, but also because you've been really open about this um, on social media, you and your family have been through a really vulnerable season. Um, maybe yeah. for those of you who um, haven't met you yet, um, can you share maybe a little bit of what's been going on for you and your family?
1: Yeah. So let me see if I can shrink this. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So let's see. It was almost a year ago now, which is wild. I, I, it feels like it's been 30 days, yeah. not yeah. almost a year. But last August, it was the middle of the night, uh, three something in the morning, and we, we co-sleep. So our little two-year-old was with us, and you know she kind of flip-flops between us too. And I heard a little whisper that said, help me. And so I woke Mm. up and I thought, oh, he needs help with the baby, you know. So I reached out to grab her and she was there, but he wasn't. And so I thought, oh, he fell off the bed, which actually happens (laughs) more times than I'd like to admit. (laughs) Uh, Like falling off the bed is common. But anyway, so I thought he just fell off and I realized that something was really wrong. The bed was shaking. And so I turned on the light. I walked around to the side of the bed and he was face down, bleeding and convulsing on the floor. Mm -hmm. And I just, I I didn't know what to do. Um, And it lasted a long time. It was four minutes. I could barely call 911. The adrenaline was just rushing through me. I had no idea what was happening until later on. I've actually, my first profession was in the medical field. So, but when it's your loved one, it's different. It's different. Like your mind does something different. So anyways, long story, long story short, he was born with an AVM, which is a tangle of vessels. So imagine a vein goes into a vessel, but usually there's a little bit of a barrier there to reduce the pressure. And he doesn't have that. And a lot of the vessels in the front his frontal lobe so he has a very large risk of aneurysm because those walls aren't meant to hold that amount of pressure Mm. and he was really young when it happened um and they thought you know it was fine they did two surgeries they thought everything was good and it just ended up not being good so usually the life expectancy is around in the 30s for his type of avm if they don't get it under control. And so yeah, that's what was going on with him and it it shows itself in in seizures. So that night he had a grand mal lasted 4 minutes, he stopped breathing for Close to over a minute, I was on the phone with the dispatch, and we were counting the seconds. She was counting with me, waiting for him to come back. He went completely blue. His lips went blue. His tongue started hanging out of his mouth. His eyes were wide open. Uh, my two-year-old daughter was looking over the bed because she had been woken up, and she was screaming, "He, Daddy needs a Band-Aid. Like, I'll never forget it. And yeah, I ran to the neighbors, got 911 on the phone. They came, took him, and we found all of this out. And he got on anti seizure medication, and we just started seeing neurosurgeons from there to try to fix it. But where his AVM is located, no one wants to touch it just because it's his frontal lobe. So, you know, if yeah. something goes wrong, it's going to go really wrong. And we went through quite a few surgeons before we found one who suggested to do gamma knife radiation. And so right now we're kind of on a path of he's had two procedures already, um, one to open up his sinus because we realized that he was having a difficult time breathing at night and the low oxygen would trigger a seizure. So first they go in, they did that to try to reduce those seizures at night. He was having about 14 or 15 different types of seizures every single day. Mm -hmm. Some he would kind of like look off. Some were full convulsions. It just depended yeah. on what it was. And for a good solid two months, he wasn't even there. He just slept and would seize and sleep. And I didn't even know who he was anymore. And that in and it of itself is very scary when I've known him since I was, how old was I? 16. And yeah. so to essentially lose the person who you've known for so long is. It's devastating. It's absolutely devastating. And not to mention what he's going through is absolutely devastating. And for the kids all the way around, it's tough. So we he had a few surgeries. We're still waiting on one more embolization to close down a couple more vessels. And then he starts uh, gamma knife radiation in a couple of weeks, actually. So we're in limbo right now waiting to hear from all the departments when it's go time and ready to go so yeah that's what's going on with us so I'm going through all of the motions of grief
0: oh of course I mean that was right there right here at the end when you were talking about you know just he wasn't he wasn't he wasn't the man that you knew Mm -mm. right and yet he is still there and all and with all of the uncertainty like there is a sort of like ambiguous loss that happens right where it's like he's here and and you know, I, I imagine like there's glimmers of him and there's moments, yeah, right? Like
1: there was back then there was glimmers of him, but really yeah. it wasn't. I remember, um, oh. I asked him a question. I was, I was like, okay, all, all these neurologists and neurosurgeons were giving me all of these options and he was, uh, getting more coherent. And I, we were sitting outside and I said to him, I said, well, what do you want to do? Like, what do you want to do? Cause I don't want to be making all the decisions for you. Like, what, what would you like? Mm-hmm. And he kind of just looked at me and said, you know, I, uh, whatever whatever you want to do. If you told me to jump off a cliff right now, I would. And it was just like, oh, like he just wasn't oh. there anymore. So yeah, it was it was tough. And since then, though, he's he comes back. Like he, we have more more time. I'd like to say when it's really him and it's really me. It's only after the really large seizures now that he'll get. It's called postictal, and he won't know who I am. He won't know who the kids are. But um, it doesn't last as long anymore, which I'm thankful for. So lately, it's it's been really nice to see him himself.
0: Crystal, like so, like it's this is just what as humans we do, right? Is as we hear, as we hear a story, as we hear a story that, that is filled with 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 pain and trauma, and and I know that it's not just pain and trauma because I've I've seen your writing and I've I've heard you discuss all the complexities and nuances of this experience and the emotions and they're not just pain and trauma but as I'm hearing the story as humans what we naturally do is is we put ourselves um, we can often put ourselves in that person's position and think of our own relationships and how what how we would handle that you know I think it's just natural natural for our brains to want to imagine that as almost like a protective factor like well, what would I do if that happened and yeah i hearing your as I'm hearing you talk about this um and i've 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 met your husband because he was he was at um he was at a photo shoot that we oh, yeah <laughs> and um and also you just saying that you guys know other since you were sixteen and my husband and I have as well and I just I'm like putting myself in your position and I'm feeling it in my body. I'm feeling this, like, like almost like this pit in my stomach, like a nauseousness and like this, like tightness in my chest. And these thoughts of like, I couldn't handle it. I couldn't handle it. Yeah, Um, Which is reflective kind of just of how maybe my own mind is like trying to process and integrate like the, the possibility of this kind of experience. And so in reflecting that back to you, I I want. I'm, I'm curious to hear. Like, what has been the impact for you, both emotionally, um, you know, physically, spiritually, even? Like, what has been the impact of all of this on on you as an individual, Crystal?
1: I think this is singly the most impactful thing that's ever happened in my entire life. Um, out kids, all of it. That this is has been more because it has first it, it ripped me apart all like down to the bone. There was I had nothing. I yeah. wasn't sleeping. Complete insomnia. The first after when it first happened, I was awake for 4 days. I didn't even know you could do that. <laughs> I was just right. solidly awake right. because yeah. every time he would fall asleep, I I didn't know what would happen and I was just completely in shock. And you know, the doctors told me to get your affairs in order and just to be told bluntly that I it, yeah. I didn't know what to do and so uh, yeah, I didn't sleep for quite some time. I was angry,
0: and that just makes sense. That just makes sense based on like you know adrenaline, but also tr- like trauma and protection. Right, your, your like last time when this happened, you were asleep. Like now, say sleep is no longer safe, and so mm-hmm. your system isn't going to let you. It's not going to easily let you do something that it has now deemed as like unsafe.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And that's how it felt. And yeah. I, it took me a while to start sleeping again and then to start dreaming again. I remember I just went through all of these motions like, oh, I slept 20 minutes. Oh, I slept 40 minutes. Oh, I slept an hour. And up until probably a few months ago, it, it doesn't happen as often now, but I will wake up at the, the exact time That it happened and just be wide awake for a good hour. And I started writing actually instead of sitting there terrified. First, I would go outside and I would just kind of pray for some peace and some comfort because you know the kids are asleep, he's asleep, everybody's asleep, and you you feel completely and utterly alone. And so I had to take a really hard look at myself and my life because. I was faced with the fact that life is fragile. And and I think we all know this. I think we know that it's fragile, but I don't think we understand how fragile it is. Um, Arguments, silly things that we worry about really don't matter anymore, at least not to me, because I not not knowing who my husband was anymore. I I was like, just leave your socks on the floor, anything, anything to recognize who he was. And Mm -hmm. yeah, so I started writing every single night what I felt if I was mad, if I was sad, if I remember the sun was shining one day, it was like a really pretty day outside. And I was just so angry because people were just driving and laughing and moving on with their lives, and I felt stuck, just stuck in this place of darkness, and uh, writing gave me an outlet, and it also allowed me to acknowledge my feelings and acknowledge what was going on instead of burying it, because I knew that would that would have just killed me not talking about it, um, and talking about it was hard, writing about it was easier, so yeah, I started writing and my health did take a toll. I started getting thyroid issues. I got nodules on my thyroid mm-hmm. from the stress. I started mm-hmm. getting a really bad eye twitch. You know how like, when you have like lack of potassium yeah. in your eye kind of twitch, but mm-hmm. it was 24 seven, like all the time. And it started getting really painful to the point where it almost would close and just all of these random ailments and so I'd go into the doctor and they're like you need to reduce your stress and it's like, uh.
0: and you're like
1: yeah okay." Yeah, let yeah. me get on that real quick <laughs> Right now. Yeah. yeah yeah and so but I did I I realized I think part of me thought that we're gonna find a neurosurgeon and we're gonna fix this end of story mm-hmm. like we're just we're gonna fix it like we're, I'm gonna get through it and it's gonna be fine and months went by and it was not getting better and so i did i started looking internally and i started thinking to myself what have i done in my life what am i doing in my life um if i looked back like would it be worth it It, it's made me not afraid to live life fully I've always written. Um, I own the magazine and I think (laughs) I was thinking about this the other day. Um, I started the magazine for the reason I told you, but I also never wrote in the magazine besides like a letter to the editor or from the editor. And I think it was because of fear. I didn't think I could be a writer. And even though I've, I love writing it. It's like an extension of who I am. And this going through this has given me the permission to, do what I want and build my talents to the a a thousandth degree, Um, not hold back and not be afraid of what people think or, you know, why is she so happy? Go lucky. Cause that's always been me trying to see the bright side of things. I remember before this happened, I used to tell my husband like, Oh, like look up, like, look at the sky. Like, look how pretty it is right now. And he would kind of roll his eyes like, okay, babe, (laughs) it's the same sky. Um, but this has exacerbated it. Um, mm-hmm. After going after going through the upset of why is the sun even shining, I kind of realized that oh, like the sun is still shining for me. There's still beauty everywhere, mm-hmm. even though what we're going through is painful the sun is shining for me. It's shining for my kids because they're still living their life. They're in their childhood right now. And I would watch them play outside and just realize like, okay, like it's okay for me to let this, it's okay for me to sit with this anger. And then it's okay for me to let it go also Mm -hmm. and just dive deep into the simple nuances of life that really make up the main fabric of it you know you're not going to look back when you're 80 and think like oh should have gone to one more meeting <laughs> or, you know <laughs> or whatever whatever it is so yeah it's it's I have definitely looked internal in this and it's done the same thing for him too it's funny sometimes he'll be like hold on babe hold on look at that flock of birds and I just start laughing I'm like I was trying to get you to see this so long ago but I'm so thankful that His view of the world has completely changed all of us. It it has just because I
0: I saw that post. You you wrote something recently. Yeah. and one really quick—it's so funny that you said I—I I was afraid to call myself a writer or to share my, you know, my words with people in that way. And it's just so funny because I've—I've always, at least for as long as I've known you, but I've known you for a few years. Yeah. I've always like thought of you as a writer. Like that was the identity that I just. Oh, how funny! To you. Like because <laughs> because of I mean, I mean because of your captions, I guess. Like it's, you know, it's like. These, um, and I know you have a hashtag, hashtag when I get to thinking. Yeah. Um, and it's, I mean, I could, sp- I mean, I have spent time like just in that, like reading your words because they, they're like poetry. Um, but what is, what I, what is so, um, what is so powerful about what you're sharing right now is it sounds like those words that, yes, you're offering to us to receive, but to you, they're medicine. Yeah. Um, does, does that resonate at all with your experience? Yeah,
1: it does. And I found the more that I would write, because sometimes I'd post stuff in the middle. I mean, it was four in the morning, five in the morning, and no one was awake. But I started getting these messages from like New Zealand and from places all over the world with people going through sometimes the same thing or epilepsy or alcoholism, whatever ailment that they had. Oh. And people just started reaching out and, you know, saying that I was giving a voice to what they were going through. And so it kind of was this giving and taking mutually. Mm-hmm. I, I would write and I would speak and then they would give me strength back too, saying that they were praying for me and just being awake and talking to me in the middle of the night when, you know, the U S is asleep. (laughs) It sounds so. And you're
0: no, and you're still awake because again, sleep is, sleep is challenged, but that you, that's, that's incredible. So like the world is literally still awake in some ways in some areas and like, you're still able to find connection. Yeah.
1: And yep. The The same thing that essentially that I was doing with gather the village with motherhood, it's ha- it, the same thing happened with sharing mm-hmm. what I was going through. I, What I was giving to my audience and to Gather the Village, it came back around and I was just, I'm so beyond thankful for it. People like you who would send me messages and people would send me groceries and because I was, you know, the sole provider mm-hmm. all of a sudden, over, literally wow. overnight um, for our family which is terrifying, but the way that the community rallied around me and our family was just, it, it was mind-blowing. And so my words ended up being, they're not only for me, that but they ended up turning, knowing that it's helping other people, I keep writing. It's like if one person gets something out of me being vulnerable online, then that's just what I'm going to do. And yeah, yeah, it's been a blessing it's been a weird, a weird, weird blessing and surprise. It's um the most painful thing I've ever gone through, but it's a gift. Nevertheless. What
0: I see you doing, and this is something that can't just be forced and something that we have to sort of come and develop for ourselves in our own experiences of pain, trauma or loss. But I see you making like you're making meaning of your experience, Yeah, you know, like you're making meaning of it. And that again, Sometimes there are definitely stages of of whatever it is we're going through, where like if somebody was to come to me or to you and say like, "Well, let's make meaning of this experience," you'd want to like punch. Yeah, there would be a
1: time that I'd be like, "What?" (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, no, want to crawl into a hole. (laughs)
0: Right, exactly. Um, But but it sounds like one, one thing that writing has sort of offered, and then the connections that you've made and the ways in which you've been able to observe um, your husband slowing down and noticing things, the ways in which you yourself have, you know, like you said, we all face mortality, but this has made you, it made you like like look at mortality in the face and, and, and ask the questions of like, what do I want my life to stand mm-hmm. for? Like what, what, what do I want to say yes to like what do I need to say no to what is actually important to me it was this experience has brought all of those things which I see you turning into meaning through the way that you're processing it and and sharing it and writing
1: about it thank you I'm so glad that resonates I really am yeah
0: Yeah. here's here's one thing though right is that like when we are when we are offering something to the world whether it's through our words or our experiences um and and it sounds like you do receive back through the connections and the support that you receive but also that can be a lot of i mean (laughs) that can be a lot of energy output on top of it let's also honor that like literally just what you are doing living day to day as a primary provider but also now Um, A caretaker, a caregiver to your partner. How are you caring for yourself? Like, how are you supporting yourself in all of this?
1: I really, I take the time now. I I remember I used to say like, for (laughs) at one point I had three kids under three, and there was no time. That was always my thing. Like, there's just no time. There's no time for me to work out. There's no time for me to read. There's no time. There's just no time. And the whole waking up in the middle of the night real uh, showed me that there, there are much more hours in the day than I realized. And once I started getting healthy sleeping habits again, I realized, okay, like if I go to bed at nine, I can wake up at five, four, 45, five o'clock and get my work done or yeah. do some yoga or put, do a face mask, what, whatever it was. And so right. I really learned to make the time for myself before the day got started because, you know, it's kind of, it's really hard in the middle of the day to, with school and drop-offs and I have three kids and two of them are in different schools yeah. and you know how that goes. So I, I've learned to create the time for myself and, and I've learned also to say no. I've always been like a big yes person, yeah. like, yes, I will do anything. I, I will do it. Um, yeah. but my time has grown so much more important to me that I yeah I've given myself permission to say no to things even if it's something fun you know if I'm just tired and I can't make it to the movies tonight like I just say you know like I I just can't you know and I I'm I'm on it I I own it and I'm just honest about it and it has made the world of difference especially with my health and uh, my anxiety I got anxiety. Didn't think that that was something I would ever have to experience. Um, but yeah, I started having panic attacks and I realized that I really have got to slow down. And even if it's 10 minutes, whatever it is, take that time for myself to breathe. Meditation has been a big one for me. I meditate every single day without fail. And it's, 15 minutes, but those 15 minutes, my mind is completely at ease. There's nothing going through it. I keep steering my mind back to Mm. calm. Mm. And yeah, that's what's gotten me through.
0: Yeah. So what I love about what you just shared is that you're so right in that. I mean, I know I've said it. I probably said it today. (laughs) You're like, oh, I don't have time. (laughs) I don't have time. I don't have time. I just don't have time. And then what what you're sort of acknowledging here is that time is actually one of our most like valuable things that we mm-hmm. can offer to somebody right like or to the world like it's one of our most valuable like resources or and, and so and that it truly it actually is something that we have agency yeah. around like we get to we, we get to decide where we spend our time you know and how we spend our time and what we're choosing mm-hmm. to prioritize and I think it's so it's so easy to get locked into sort of one view of like how time should be spent like you know there's that that word should that to me always identifies it like there's some like cultural imprint here that's saying like what time how time should be spent and what we should be doing um, but if we look at our schedules and we look at how we're actually offering our time to the world, right. And to those around us and how we're spending our time, like that's, that's reflecting what our values are really, because that's that's what we're choosing to, 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 to give our time to. And so if we reclaim that, which it sounds like you have and that all of this has sort of maybe forced right initially, but that you kind of come to, to sort of really explore for yourself is like my time and how I schedule out my time in my life should reflect what my priorities. Yeah, exactly. Values. I
1: don't want to waste, all right, you mm-hmm. know, the phrase "um killing time. I'm like, let me just kill time before this. Yeah. And now I'm like, oh, like, don't, don't kill time. You know, there's, it's so precious. And so, yeah, now I, I remember I used to rush bedtime and, you know, I can't wait until this happens or I I would live in the future a lot. Like when this happens, we'll be okay. Or, you know, you set these goals for yourself. But this experience has taught me that you can be happy. You can find joy amongst immense pain. You really can if you put in the work Mm -hmm. and decide decide to, if you just decide to see it. And even if it's only for a few Mm -hmm. minutes a day, staring up at the sky or watching your kids play, you can find joy any anywhere, and that has been a huge lesson for me.
0: Crystal, I this the last question I have for you is, you know, in those in those moments of pain, um, and you're like, I don't know if you, if you can relate to this experience. Like you're in you're in a space where you're experiencing, like you're about to drop into like the valley Mm -hmm. of depression or into a panic attack or into anxiety or or fears about to jump in the driver's seat, right? And like, or a spiral of shame or whatever it is, right? Like you're on the like ledge of of that pain. Have you identified a way to be able to, like when you're on that edge or that ledge, right? To be able to pull yourself, to be able to pull yourself out into a space of, Caring for yourself, or into a space of, of healing, or growth, or hope, or to find meaning. Um, do you ever find that there's actually value value to just like diving straight into the like depths and the shadows and like letting yourself be there? Like,
1: yeah. How do you how do you I maneuver do.
0: those moments?
1: I, I usually write. <laughs> yeah. um, I write it out. And first, the first thing that I do, though, is especially when I feel a panic attack coming on, is I breathe. And I know that always sounds silly because people always tell you, like, oh, take a deep breath. But I think I heard it differently. Like, oh, take a deep breath. Like, okay, let me take one quick deep breath in defiance. Yeah. And that doesn't help anything. But I've learned to really breathe, like feel the air yeah. go in and go out and slow everything down, stop thinking about what appointment is next. Stop Mm -hmm. thinking about, oh, he's looking a little bit yellow today. Maybe he's going to have a seizure, whatever it is. And just, I breathe and I kind of just pause my life for a minute so that I don't, so I don't spin out of control. And then I do, I sit down and I write and I write whatever is on my mind, whatever the feeling is, even if it's a negative feeling, I still, I just, I write it out I acknowledge it. And then with that acknowledgement, it it is almost letting go. Mm. I've sat with it and I allow myself to feel it and it's okay. And I know that it's going to pass and I breathe through it. And then it's like the sunshine kind of comes back in and sometimes it takes a yeah. few days, you know, we it's because yeah. it's still, you know, it's, I don't want to make everybody think that it's always rainbows and sunshine all the time, but I, I, Try really hard to see it that way, but I do. I, I sink in to those feelings sometimes and I breathe through them and I write it out and I talk about it sometimes with family and friends. And sometimes I don't. Sometimes I just allow myself to be there and that's it. You know, I think acceptance and letting, letting, giving yourself permission to feel whatever it is you're feeling is huge instead of trying to bury it and ignore it because it'll come back. It'll come back 10 times worse and it'll bite you in the butt. Oh, so <laughs> yeah.
0: you, you are like speaking, you are like speaking to my soul right now. So there, it's so funny that you brought up breath because literally the episode before this, if anybody hasn't heard it, they can go back to it. It's literally called how to breathe. And it's with no way. A breath. Work, yeah. It's with breath work teacher, Ashley Niece. Oh, and I so, love her. <laughs> Yes, yes. So that's literally the episode that's right before yours, um, and so it's, well, it's perfect, full circle, not planned. Yeah. but There's a little pitch to go listen to that because you're so right. And so I actually have this little—I don't know if you call it an acronym or mnemonic. I never can figure those two out—the difference. <laughs> but maybe it's both. I don't know. There's this little—I'm going to call it an acronym that. Um, That'll oftentimes offer to clients that, that really, as you were describing your, like what you sort of do felt so aligned with this. So I'm going to offer it really quickly to anybody who's listening because oftentimes in these moments, we need something to like easy to access, right? It's like, what am I supposed to do right now? Cause when you're in that space, right? Like it's, it takes a lot of energy to just know what to do mm-hmm. next, um, and so it's a little cheesy, but cheesy is sometimes easy to remember. So, B uh, B O L D or bold. And so the B is is breathe. <laughs> um, often, like breath, in and of itself, right? Like it doesn't, it it it's not going to change everything. It's not going to do some. It's not going to like. Um, it's not going to change everything, but it can. It can it can literally like switch from our like stress response mm-hmm. that sympathetic response like if we do take that deep grounding breath or we attune to our breath and we like get we we tune into our experience, it can literally do a few things. It can switch us from that sympathetic response that fight or flight stress response to the parasympathetic, which is the space in which we're able to have more access to, you know, like our our ability to make decisions and and rational decision-making and communication and all of those pieces. And so breath can, can literally do that like physiologically for our bodies, but it also, it grounds us, it grounds us in the here and now Mm -hmm. it pulls us into our bodies so that we can connect in with our bodies. Um, And then the O is observe, right? And so this is sort of the space that I see of, like, um, allowing ourselves to bring our awareness to our context. Like, what's happening right now? Like, what is triggering me? What are the emotions that are showing up? Instead of ignoring, avoiding, numbing, or just spiraling with them or letting Mm -hmm. them jump in the driver's seat and deciding what we do next for us. Instead, like let's let's become aware of what they are. Let's name them. Like let's identify like what's showing up. Like what is this triggering? What is the story around this? Like what am I afraid of? Like what is this connected to? So it's it's really I almost like I'm a really visual person. It's almost like walking into a room and, and inviting in the parts of yourself that are that are being triggered right now, that are that are experiencing pain. And and instead of running away or fighting with it. Like turning towards yeah. it, you know, with tenderness and compassion. Like what's showing up, and it sounds like that's a space where you show you show up for yourself through writing, and that that creates like a a platform for you to be able to express some of those things and to process and work through and invite some of those things yeah. in. Um, the L is listening to our values, and it sounds like this whole experience for you has really has really brought your values into the forefront. Like that's one thing that pain often can do. Pain can be an ally in the discovery of our values of the things that are most important yeah. to us. It sometimes it forces that. Yeah, right? And, yeah. and, it can, and again, it's painful, but um, it can show us what's most important to us. And then from listening to our values, we can D. So the B the last B O L Ds that we can then D decide on our actions in response to that. Like, how do I want to respond? Like what's called for here? Like what's in my agency? What do I have control Mm -hmm. around? What what do I want to do informed by my values? Instead of having that to be, instead of it having to be informed by anger or, you know, informed by Mm -hmm. fear, um, let this be something that's informed by my values so that whatever I do next is going to be in alignment.
1: Yeah. And and it's so um, refreshing. It is. Yeah. When you come out on the other side of it, it's like, oh. <laughs> yeah. well,
0: right. But this, like that whole process, like you, like you acknowledge like that can take, that can be days. Like that can be, that can be something that in the beginning feels so oh, foreign impossible. because how are you responding is like this muscle yeah. memory of doing something completely different. And so, um, it sounds like the way what all this has sort of maybe forced for you, but has has brought and brought a lot of meaning around is is it's sort of pointed to like that you can slow down and do this both for yourself and for your family
1: exactly yeah um,
0: and it's really brought what's really important into the forefront yeah
1: and it's made it much easier to parent and to be in a marriage everything um taking that moment to not yeah. react and just taking a little breather for a second and he's done the same thing as well it's it's benefited us more than I ever thought that it could. Um, Yeah. It was my parenting, how quickly I react or, you know, how you try to rush your kids along sometimes. And I've, yeah, I have a little bit more grace for them and realize, you know what, like, let's take this moment. Like, that's totally fine. And even with me and my husband, because I mean, even though he's ill, it's still a marriage, you know, and you still have like silly arguments and stuff, but we, it, it, it has changed our marriage in a way that um, whatever arises now we both think and that wasn't always the f- truth before I can tell he takes a breath and kind of thinks about it and tries to get understanding and I do the same thing so in our entire lives it has yeah benefited us greatly which is really neat <laughs> actually
0: yeah. wow it's such an incredible thing I mean, listen to what you just said, you know, like about, about all of this, like to be able to come to that and to say that, um, one thing that's been, it's beautiful. It's been beautiful to watch just in your social media and on your stories is butterflies seem to be something that you're really connected with. It seems to be a really big symbol for you. I don't know. Do you guys like farm or like birth butterflies in your home?
1: (laughs) You want to know that story? It's wild, actually. Um I found two I planted a mar. uh blah blah blah. I planted a uh what are they called? Oh, I forgot the name of the plant. Marigold. It's the only plant that no, not marigold. It's the only plant that they eat. Milkweed. Oh, there milkweed. it goes. <laughs> That's what happens after three kids. They eat your brain. <laughs> um, yeah. I planted milkweed in hopes to have monarch butterflies in my yard and they were it was there for a year and nothing happened and uh I happened upon two little caterpillars one day and I was like oh and so I brought them in and Mm -hmm. I raised them I like googled it (laughs) like I got on YouTube and I was like how do you successfully make monarchs you know uh survive and so I they hatched and it ended up being a boy and a girl and you can tell by their wing patterns the boys have these little dots on the bottom of their wings. And, um, I let them go and I cried. I was so upset, like, cause it was so brief. Like they came out, their wings dried and they left. I was like, Oh, like 30 days. And yeah. that's all I got. I was yeah. so depressing. But I remember I was sitting out in the garden, um, doing my devotional and this was actually before everything happened. Yeah. And the, one of the butterflies came back and she started laying eggs All over the milkweed. And I was like, oh, no way. So I brought all of the eggs in like the little thing that we had made for them. And so we raised them and they got almost to the point where they were going to turn into a chrysalis and he had his seizure. And I remember thinking like, I'm just going to let all these things go. Like, let me just let these caterpillars go. Like, I don't have the time for this. There it goes again with the time. Like, I don't have time to take care of these things right now. I need to be taking care of my husband and my kids and myself. And that was, I think that was, now that I say that out loud, that was the first um, permission that I gave myself to, you know what, I'm going to take care of these little things five minutes a day, whatever it is. And it ended up that they went into chrysalis. They stayed that way for a while and they started hatching. And I remember every day I would ask my husband, like, hey, do you want to come out and look at him? And sometimes he would be non-responsive and, yeah. you know, laying in bed and not knowing what's going on. And I remember like day five or six, he was like, yeah. And so I took him outside and I put him in a chair And all these butterflies started hatching that day. I think like seven of them hatched that day. Yeah. And um, he put his hand out. And so I put one on his hand and one of them flew and landed right on his forehead where he has like this big scar from where he hit his head um, with that first big seizure. And I remember I took a picture of it and he got all teary. And that was the first time that he was like. Wow, these butterflies are beautiful. And I was like, yeah, they really are. And we ended up releasing 34 butterflies. And he turned 34. So it was kind of yeah, it was this, it was just this. If I had let it go and didn't give myself permission to take continue to take care of these little things, we wouldn't have gotten that little bit of joy that was really one of the only bits of joy that we had during those first couple of months. And Mm. it was really, it was really, really special. So now yeah, butterflies, they are something else to me. They mean so much more. It's Mm. really neat.
0: (laughs) um, They, I I really connect with it because in some of my own experiences of loss, butterflies have, have become a symbol and, and they just sort of, it developed because of certain things that had happened around around those losses. And so it's just, it was a beautiful thing to sort of witness. And I actually remember, I remember seeing that picture that you posted. I didn't know, I don't think I knew that the butterfly was land like landed right in the spot where um, yeah, where that part of his brain is. But I, I remember seeing that and I, I recently I was looking through your feed and I, I saw this picture of some of your butterflies that you had, you had grown and you had this quote here by, it's a quote by Thelma Lampkins yeah. Perhaps butterflies are proof that you can go through a great deal of darkness, yet still become something beautiful. Yeah. And it just—I yeah. feel—I don't know. It just when I read that, um, and just right now when you're sharing the story, I just—it um, gives me goosebumps, and it just—it seems to really reflect everything that you've shared today in in sharing yeah, your
1: story. It was- it was Thank a you. lesson it was it was a really deep lesson that I learned yeah mm. butterflies who knew <laughs>
0: Oh, who knew um so crystal where can people find you if they um are inevitably being touched by your story and want to fo- continue to follow um your story
1: So you can find me at uh, crystalfesterly.com or my maiden name, crystaldonovan.com, takes you to the same site. Mm -hmm. Um, And my Instagram under the hashtag, when I get to thinking, is where I write all of the personal stuff that's going on in my life, in our lives. And if for Gather the Village, you can find me at Gather the Village on Instagram, on the website, Twitter, Facebook, all of it. So yeah, I'm all over.
0: <laughs> Crystal, thank you so much for taking the time because like we, like we acknowledged in this podcast and time is so valuable and so precious. Thank you so much for taking the time.
1: Of course. And I'm, I was so happy to take this time with you. It's nice talking about, it. this is the first interview I've done actually. So oh.
0: yeah. Thank it's you. Really Crystal, nice. so
1: much. <laughs> Thank you. thank you
0: you've been listening to Holding Space Podcast I hope you enjoyed the information that was shared in this episode if you did you might want to subscribe and be the first to hear about future episodes as soon as they air thank you so much for sharing this space with me have a great day